Well, good morning. It's Tuesday, December 6, 2022. Tuesday, December 6, 2022. Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, you know, the North Carolina power grid thing and thought Russia must have the same critical flaws in its power grid. Seems to me a few well-placed bullets could take out the power for all of Mas- Moscow for a week and let them know how it is to be without power. And with sanctions, they'd have problems fixing their own grid. Just thought I'd put it out there to in, in the ether, you know? Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google Political Views TV Podcast. I'll show up right at the top of the search, those four words. I, man, I appreciate you. Just like I do every day. It's very nice of you to come. Uh, I hope you enjoyed yesterday's podcast, and I hope you'll enjoy today's. Uh, If you can, please bring someone uh, with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. And tweet to me questions or insights, or maybe come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Sounds like it's going to be another day where I got to drink coffee to clear my throat. Warm, warm my throat up because I, you know, I, I sound like I swallowed a bucket of sand, don't I? <clears throat> ah, so let's get to it. Ukraine and Russia, uh, and as usual, Hungary, and that Putin apologist Viktor Orban is the problem. Hungary has uh, vetoed an 18 billion euro which is almost $19 billion financial aid package to Kyiv. Vetoing the aid package means EU member states must work out a more complicated technical plan to ensure aid can keep flowing to Kyiv in the new year. Uh, Tuomas uh, Sarajevo, the chairman of the EU Council Economic and Financial Committee, said in the end agreement was found on formulations that allow a flexible and quick way to deploy funds to Ukraine without fundamentally changing the way the EU manages its funds. Uh, I say agreement, but in reality, that agreement was minus one. Sort of of calling them out, huh, right? With Orban's, you know, backsliding in democracy, he has been cut off from funds, and many nations see Orban's tactics as a thinly veiled attempt to get... uh, uh, to get the uh, uh, EU to release billions in regular funding uh, and pandemic recovery cash that has been held up. Uh, the Czech Republic's finance minister, uh, Zajnik Sanjura, has said that the European Union will push on with efforts to secure funds for Ukraine after Hungary vetoed the $19 billion, uh, loan uh, to Kyiv. Uh, jointly uh, financed by the bloc. Uh, Sanjura said, we will not be discouraged. Our ambition remains that we'll start the disbursement uh, of our aid to Ukraine in January. So they'll find a way to do it. The European Commission is considering a ban on new investments in Russia's mining sector as part of a new sanction package to stop the Kremlin's ability to fund its war in Ukraine. The ban would be part of a ninth EU sanction package that officials are planning to discuss with member states in the coming days. The sanctions 
could include export controls on civilian technologies suspected of supporting Russia's arms factories, a ban on uh, transactions with three uh, more Russian banks, and targeted sanctions against 180 individuals. I'm sure Viktor Orban will try and block that as well. Uh, Ukrainian embassies in Romania and Denmark also received those bloody packages with animal eyes. Uh, This is a week after a letter bomb was sent to an embassy in Madrid. Ukraine's foreign minister says so far no one has claimed responsibility for sending the packages. And I do so hope they came from Russia. I hope an investigation shows that so we can suddenly talk to Russia and say, hey, you really wanted to go to war with us? Uh, Latvia has said it will revoke a broadcast license for exiled Russian independent channel Dozd, uh, Dozd, uh, which is, um, I guess it's Russian for rain, uh, for a series of violations, including showing the annexed Crimea Peninsula as part of Russia. Ivars Albolans head of the Latvian National Electronic Mass Media Council, said on Twitter, TV Rain will stop broadcasting on December 8th, adding the laws of Latvia must be respected by everyone. Latvian officials had earlier said it was probing the channel amid suspicions it was aiding Russian troops in in Ukraine. Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, guys... You are awesome the way you stand up to Russia and you have the most to lose. So uh, I, I really appreciate you. <clears throat> Russian installed officials in occupied areas of the Kherson region have urged the population to exchange their savings for Russian rubles. Head of the occupying forces, Vlad, uh, Vladimir Saldo, uh, announced in a video on Telegram messaging service, uh, today, payments in the Ukrainian national currency, uh, the Herydnia, uh, will end on January 1st. The capital of the region was recaptured by Ukrainian forces, but Russian troops continue to occupy large por- portions of the Kherson region. Now, I, I find this odd with with um, Ukraine making advances that they want them to trade the money for Russian rubles now. When Russian rubles won't be accepted, it's just a way to prop up the Russian ruble. Russia is in deep doo-doo, by the way. Financially, uh, their arms are dwindling. Uh, We'll get to that. Uh, And, and of course, people are not supporting them. The the, the Russian people are not supporting them. Uh, State Duma, uh, Deputy Shamsel Saraliv wrote on Telegram, The Russian Ministry of Defense is conducting another exchange of prisoners of war today. Sixty Russian servicemen are returning home. Uh, Ukraine's presidential chief of staff, Andrei Yermak, hailed returning Ukrainians as heroes and said they included dozens who had held out in the city of Mariupol, including the besieged Azovstal Steelworks. Uh, Those guys are heroes in Russia. Uh, You... Once this is over, they won't be able to walk into a bar without somebody buying them a beer. Seriously. Uh, until Russia... Uh, um, oh, it included the besieged Azovstal Steelworks until Russia forced it to surrender in, in May. 
Uh, Yermak said, We continue to return the defenders of Mariupol. In today's list of 60, there are 34 of them, including 14 from Azovstal. Uh, some are wounded and will receive all necessary help in Ukraine. And I'm sure some of them will be sent to hospitals in, in Poland or wherever. <clears throat> Opposition representatives from five Russian regional councils have sent appeals urging President Vladimir Putin to issue a decree formally ending the partial mobilization. Now, they said that the, the, the mobilization ended, but the law of mobilization, mobilization is still continuing. In other words, they finished the mobilization, but it's still, you know, it's still current. Uh, Amelia Slabunova, uh, an opposition counselor in Karelia in northern Russia, said the absence of such a decree meant those already drafted could not leave the armed forces. She may have to stay off any balconies if she's coming out against Putin. <laughs> she said commanders refused to discharge them in appeals uh, against such refusals and court led nowhere as courts were siding with commanders, citing that Putin's September mobilization decree still had legal force. Uh, Slabunova said, We as counselors represent our constituents and these appeals from us are the result of numerous appeals from citizens, which leads to be, me to believe there's a serious crack in support for Putin. So we'll see what's going on in the future. Uh, Russia says it has repelled drone attacks at an airbase in the Kursk region. This is a new, new attacks. Uh, and this region is a little bit closer to uh, Ukraine. Uh, and this is a day after the similar raids bases in Ryazan and Saratov regions killed three Russian military personnel. Uh, Governor Roman Sterovoit uh, said on social media as a result of a drone attack in the area of Kursk airfield and oil, uh, an oil storage tank caught fire. There were no casualties. So I guess they didn't stop it after all. They sort of stopped it. Apparently in the attacks yesterday and today, the drones were intercepted, but the debris fell and exploded on the airfields. Uh, Ukraine's military intelligence chief, uh, Kirillo uh, Budinov, Kirillo Budinov, says Russia had enough high-precision missiles to conduct several more big air attacks on Ukraine before it runs out of stock, but said on national television that Russia's stocks were ending. So, we'll see what happens after that. Uh, boy, I'm telling you, man, Russia is in serious trouble. And we're going to find, I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling before the one-year anniversary of the beginning of this war, Russia will be out of options. But we'll see. Now that I have your attention, let's try and fix the rest of the world. Uh, according to a new report, Donald Trump failed to disclose a $19.8 million loan from a company with historical ties to North Korea while he was the uh, president. Uh, <laughs> you know what? 
I, I delve a little deep into this. You might want to listen up. Documents obtained by the New York Attorney General and reported by Forbes on Sunday indicate a previously unreported loan owed by Trump to Daewoo, the South Korean conglomerate. Now, you're familiar with Daewoo. Uh, D-A-E-W-O-O Big company, a lot of electronics uh, you, might have, uh, you might have a Daewoo television Right? Uh, Daewoo was the only South Korean company Allowed to operate a business in North Korea During the mid-1990s uh, Forbes revealed that Trump's relationship with Daewoo, Daewoo Is at least 25 years old Which means... It could have been their North Korean subsidiary where he had a deal with them. Uh, At one point, Daewoo partnered with Trump on a development project near the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Uh, Trump World Tower. You mean electronics? And Trump World Tower came from North Korea? Maybe. I'm not saying that's true. Could be still South Korean. But still, it's Daewoo when it was operating in Korea, North Korea. Uh, Trump and Daewoo continued to do business together, including using Trump's name on six South Korean-based properties from 1999 to 2007. According to documents uh, reviewed by Forbes, the $19.8 million balance remained the same from 2011 to 2016. Think about that. What happens if you don't pay a, any any part of a loan? What happens to it? It grows, doesn't it? For you and I. Apparently not for Trump. Five months into Trump's presidency, the balance dropped to $4.3 million, according to paperwork that showcased Trump's finances as of the 30th of June and in 2017. Soon after, Daewoo was brought uh, was bought out of its position on July 5th, 2017, the, rema- uh, uh, the uh, remaining 4.3. The document said, without disclosing who satisfied the debt, Forbes, uh, uh, that, that's what the document said without, without naming who did it. Uh, Forbes reports that even though The loan was reported on the Trump Organization's internal documents. It was not disclosed on the former president's public financial disclosure reports. Why would he want to hide this? Why? Think about that. Under disclosure laws, Trump was required to submit the documents to federal officials during his presidential campaign and after he became president. Now... You should think back to what was going on back then. Okay, so Barack Obama had said he would supply South Korea with uh, the Terminal High Altitude Air Defense Missile System, the THAAD system, T-H-A-A-D, the THAAD Missile System. Trump took office on April, uh, and on, uh, on January 20th. Uh, and on April 27th said he would require South Korea to pay for the $1.2 billion system. Three days later, on the 30th, the Trump administration walked that back. Suddenly, after that happened, 
Trump's balance to Daewoo was reduced by 15 million and then subsequently erased. Daewoo, the remaining 4.3, Daewoo was bought out of its position on July 5th, 2017, about a month later, without disclosing who satisfied the debt. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of coincidences here. There is no one else reporting this coincidental dip in Trump debt in mainstream news. It's only me. I'm the only person doing it. I am not mainstream news. I don't have anything to back it up. But it just seems way too coincidental to me that it happened right when it did. We will see if mainstream media picks up on this coincidence that he want that Trump wanted to charge South Korea 1.2 billion dollars for the Thad missile system and when he decided not to charge them his debt disappeared okay moving on i'm sure there's no connection there <laughs> uh this isn't new we're moving on. This isn't new. While the world, and, and I've talked about this w- many times before, while the world recognizes Israeli atrocities, the U.S. ignores them. United Nations and European Union officials condemned and called for an investigation into the extrajudicial killing of Palestinians by Israeli forces in the illegally occupied West Bank, including the shooting death of a 22 year old last week. Israeli occupation forces shot and killed Amar Mufla Friday in Hawara near Nablus. According to Israeli officials, Mufla attempted to enter the vehicle of a Jewish couple and was shot and wounded by the driver and in, in a, who was, happened to be an Israeli Defense Forces officer. The 22-year-old then allegedly attacked an Israeli border policeman with a knife before another officer attempted to arrest him. Oops. Haaretz reports that an eyewitness at the scene contradicted the border police's version of events, saying that the armed Israeli settler passerby provoked several people who were standing near a restaurant eating lunch when an altercation broke out between the settler and Mufla. It goes beyond an eyewitness. And Israel is saying there's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. Video footage shows a Border Patrol officer grabbing Mufla, who does not appear to be armed, in a chokehold before the Palestinian breaks free and grabs for a rifle around the officer's neck. During the scuffle for the rifle, the weapon gets dropped on the ground well out of anyone's reach. The officer, who had drawn his pistol during the fight for the rifle, then immediately fires four shots into Mufla, who falls to the pavement. Even though Mufla was still alive, Israeli forces prevented any Palestinians from attempting to save his life. According to video footage and eyewitnesses, Israel, uh, Israeli soldiers then seized Mufla's body, a tactic employed by both Israel forces and Palestinian resistant fighters to secure bargaining chips. I, I might also point out that Iran does the same thing. It seizes bodies of dead people, especially dead people that were killed recently 
so the families can't see what happened to the bodies. So Israel's doing the same thing that Iran's doing. Um, The European Union delegation to the Palestinians tweeted in the wake of the killing that it was gravely concerned about the increasing level of violence in the occupied West Bank, including East Jerusalem. The delegation added... In the last 72 hours alone, 10 Palestinians were killed by ISF in what appears to be an excessive use of lethal force. Israeli officials, meanwhile, lauded Mufla's killer with Itamar Ben-Gavir, the incoming far-right national security minister, praising a job well done. In a separate case over the weekend, the BBC published video footage that contradicts Israeli claims that a 21-year-old, Rayid al-Nassan, one of five Palestinians shot dead by occupation forces on uh, November 29th, was killed while throwing, a, uh, while throwing a Molotov cocktail. The footage shows that al-Nassan was throwing rocks before retreating as shots rang out, killing him. Is it time yet to drop your support of Israel? Seriously. You cannot keep claiming you support Israel when Israel's government continues to do things that makes the world hate them. You can only claim you support Israel's government and not the people. You can't keep claiming you support Israel. Moving on. Uh, you know, there's this this story. Uh, sometimes I, there's some stories that come up, and I and I don't really want to report on them eh, because they're they're old, but they're they're still happening. Uh, and it comes right out of the cradle of U.S. protests. Uh, government really doesn't like homeless people. We know that, but seem to not care about homelessness either. Not enough to remove, uh, uh, not enough to remove constitutional freedoms. I mean, they're happy to remove constitutional freedoms to fight homelessness. And they, you know what? You you call Los Angeles liberal, but no, no, they've done the same thing. They've done the same sort of thing. Not exactly what this story outlines, but they've removed constitutional freedoms and they've gone to court and lost because of it. Anyway, it goes on all across the country in different cities, but it doesn't seem to get worse than St. Louis. I mean, there have been similar things in other uh, cities. We'll get to that. Uh, Police arrest homeless for minor offenses. Uh, For instance, um, trespassing. Uh, Let's say a guy is on a sidewalk that's part of uh, some sort of a shopping center, right? They arrest him. They say, you're trespassing. You can't be here panel handling. Uh, Police arrest homeless for minor offenses and keep them out of jail. To keep them out of jail, they offer them a contract. The contract says, stay out of St. Louis for a year or stay out of this area for a year. I know, sickening, right? Cities sometimes bar people from specific areas if they have former drug or prostitution conviction. They call them exclusion zones. Cincinnati once barred people convicted of drug offenses from its own exclusion zones, but a court struck it down as a violation of the constitutional freedoms of association and movement. And the U.S. Supreme Court in 2003 let that ruling stand. Little laws 
testing the court pop up all over the place that violate constitutional lights. rights. In St. Louis neighborhood, uh, in St. Louis neighborhood orders of protection affect large swaths of the city and are typically in effect for a year or two. Although some of these contracts have showed up that have expiration dates for 2099. I'm not kidding. A person who violates an order may face up to a fine of $500 or be sentenced to as long as 90 days in jail. Some people have been barred from multiple neighborhoods. Some have been arrested for violating their bans multiple times within a few days. The problem being that getting homeless services require them, requires them to violate the order. They, have to, uh, they need a meal and the shelter or soup kitchen is there, something, oh, anything. They, they need to use the library to find a job. They, they can use the one five minutes away or spend hours on a bus to another or walk for 20 minutes or walk for an hour to the, ne- uh, uh, the next closest library. The banishments require the consent of the defendant, but some lawyers question whether defendants really have any choice but to sign. In one instance, a man was arrested for trespassing while gathering on a city sidewalk with friends across the street from a downtown homeless shelter. He agreed to stay out of downtown, but was subsequently arrested for a violation and served three months in jail for standing on the street across from a homeless center. If you are banning somebody from downtown, from the area where services are, that makes it that much harder to address the needs of the homeless. Makes it much harder for them to get out of homelessness. Neighborhood leaders and police officials have defended neighborhood orders of protection as a tool for residents and businesses to make their streets safer by sending a message to criminals that they are not welcome. But being homeless isn't a isn't being criminal unless you send someone to jail for getting services because they violated a protection order this is so wrong on so many levels i'm so disgusted i guess the gist of it is this doesn't fix homelessness and in fact in fact makes it worse people with jail time can't get work if they have a record come on what are you doing? And and like I said, Los Angeles is also guilty of this. And and it sickens me what Los Angeles has done in the past. Uh, moving on. Uh, former Florida representative, Congressional Representative David Rivera, was arrested yesterday by federal authorities in connection with an ongoing probe into his work with Venezuela's authoritarian regime. The Republican, who represented a Miami-area district from 2011 to 2013, was detained in Georgia last Wednesday in connection with a Miami grand jury indictment issued last month. According to the indictment unsealed uh, last night, Rivera and his former political consultant, Esther Neufer, are facing charges of conspiring against the U.S., failing to register as foreign agents and engaging in illegal financial transactions, including money laundering. You might be interested in who he's connected with. He was an ally of Senator Marco Rubio, 
from Florida, who once shared a house with him in Tallahassee. Rivera had previously come under criticism for failing to register as a foreign agent despite working for Petroleus de Venezuela S.A., Venezuela's state-owned oil company. That company hired Inter-American Consulting, Rivera's firm, to provide consulting services to the country's state-owned oil company. The indictment states that beginning in 2017, shortly after Trump took office, Rivera and Nufer were sought out to help lobby politicians on behalf of Venezuela and gain political support to normalize relations between the U.S. and the country led by strongman Nicolas Maduro. And you've heard about many stories about Maduro. As part of the effort to curry favor on behalf of Venezuela, the indictment references meetings that were arranged with a U.S. congressman from Texas as well as a U.S. senator from Florida. Uh, Previous reports have already identified the congressman as former representative Pete Sessions. The indictment does not state the name of the senator, Mark Rubio. Aren't you lucky to hear that? Uh, But Rubio played a pivotal role in advising the Trump administration, administration over its dealings with Latin American countries. At one point, Rivera sent an encrypted text message to those involved in the effort and stated that the senator was meeting the next day with Trump and that he would tell him that he has the possibility in his hands to solve the crisis. Rivera exchanged text with the senator that was that said the U.S. should facilitate not just support a negotiated solution as well as no vengeance reconciliation. In other words... Do it, but uh, and remove sanctions and and uh, uh, um, uh, violations that Maduro did did against him. Maduro refused to agree to the deal because it required him to have open elections. He didn't want to lose his office. Marco Rubio doesn't seem to want to talk about it with anyone, especially the press. Isn't that interesting? I guess more will come out about this in the near future once uh, Rivera is given uh, a choice of either play ball or spend 20 years in jail. (laughs) Rubio is out. Man, I can't wait. Anyway, uh, moving on. He's getting old, and I wonder if he'll live long enough to know how much money his company will lose in the case. I mean, he's 91 years old. Who am I talking about? Rupert Murdoch, uh, the Fox Corporation chairman, is set to be deposed next week in Dominion Voting Systems' $1.6 billion lawsuit against Fox News over its coverage of election fraud in the 2020 election. The deposition will take place December 13th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time and will be conducted remotely under oath and via video conference. Rupert Murdoch's son, Lashlin, the um, CEO of Fox Corporation, was previously scheduled to be deposed yesterday morning in Los Angeles 
Some of the biggest stars at Fox News have also been deposed in the suit that alleges the network recklessly disregarded the truth and participated in a disinformation campaign against the voting technology company because the lies were good for Fox's business. (coughs) Excuse me. Dominion's case says that the network defamed the company by spreading lies about fraud and the 2020 election that hurt Dominion's business. Uh, Dominion is just one of two election uh, technology companies to have sued Fox News. Smartmatic, another voting technology company, has filed a $2.7 billion lawsuit against the network. Uh, That's going to be a total of, what is that, $4.5 billion if they lose? Wow. (laughs) Uh, Maybe a little sip of my coffee here. Before we get to this uh, older story, which you might remember we covered a while back. Uh, Remember that Hertz story about them arresting people for uh, having people arrested, I guess, for stealing cars when they had already returned them. And in one case, a person never even rented a car from them. Uh, One lawsuit, uh, they had apparently the name, they had the same name of somebody who did. Uh, One lawsuit involving dozens of such cases alleged systemic flaws in Hertz reporting of thefts, including not recording rental extensions, falsely uh, claiming customers hadn't paid, failing to track its own vehicle inventory, and failing to correct false reports to police. In other words, uh, they say, um, okay, this car hasn't been returned. Uh, Let's make a police report. They make a police report. And then suddenly they said, oh, here's the car. Oops, we made a mistake. And then they don't call the police and tell them. Oh, man, that would piss me off. Some of those involved in the lawsuits against Hearst reported being held at gunpoint by police and spending days in jail before the false reports were worked out. Imagine if someone was murdered by the police for that. In one case, a person claimed it took two years for the case against them to be resolved. Hertz will pay $168 million to settle 364 claims related to the company company falsely reporting rental cars uh, uh, are stolen. These cases sometimes resulted in people being arrested and even imprisoned. I I think 360 uh, uh, I'm sorry 168 million dollars is a bargain and I think they should be they should have ended up paying more but they should be also fined by the government for what they did. The company said the settlement will resolve 95% of pending claims against Hertz regarding these sort of false arrest claims. And I'm sure some of the worst offenses are part of that 5% that are still coming up against them, and it could up, end up being another $100 million that they lose. Uh, Hertz is trying to polish their, their turd image by uh, putting Tesla cars on their line so you can rent a Tesla car at their regular Hertz rate, maybe a little bit higher or something like that. <sighs> Yesterday, uh, we're moving on. Disgraced attorney. Michael Avenatti was sentenced to 14 years in prison in order to pay $11 million in restitution for embezzling millions of dollars from four of his clients and obstruction. Avenatti pleaded guilty earlier this year to four counts of wire fraud for each client he stole from and one count of endeavoring to obstruct the administration of the Internal Revenue Code. Uh, 
Uh, prosecutors said he obstructed the IRS effort to collect $5 million in unpaid payroll taxes for Tully's Coffee. I, you know what? I've had a Tully's Coffee. I think in San Francisco, I think it was. Uh, the sentence handed down by federal district judge uh, James Selna will begin after Avenatti completes a five-year prison term. He's currently serving after being convicted in two separate trials in New York. Uh, Selna also ordered Avenatti pay over $10 million in restitution for, to four clients and to the IRS. And I know you're curious about that right-wing nut job, Stormy Daniels, because she was one of his clients. That case was already finished. The prison sentence Avenatti uh, is currently serving was given after he was convicted for attempting to extort millions of dollars from Nike and stealing nearly 300000 from a book advance from Stormy Daniels, his then-client. Um, earlier this year, the Justice Department dropped the 31 remaining fraud counts Avenatti was facing after he agreed to plead guilty to the, a handful of charges. So his time in jail is actually a deal, even though it'll probably take him the rest of his life. <clears throat> uh, so do you plan on vision, visiting Indonesia? Would you like to visit Indonesia? You know, I've always thought of visiting J- Jakarta and, uh, you know... It, it, I, I, the the volcanic uh, island is just uh, which by the way is erupting right now isn't isn't there a volcano that just started erupting not not in in, in Jakarta uh, it was one of those Indonesia islands uh, it just started erupting that would be cool to see just like the one in Hawaii uh, anyway if you plan on visiting you may want to reconsider at least if you're I, I think that starts in. Uh, next year. Does it start next year? Or 2024? I, I, you'd have to look on the internet. I, did, I didn't write that down here. Uh, Indonesia's parliament has approved a new criminal code that bans anyone in the country from having extramarital sex. Let me repeat that. Anyone. That means if you go there, you cannot even cohabitate, much less have sex, unless you are married. So if you get if you go there with your girlfriend... Get separate rooms, uh, or your boyfriend, or your significant other. Uh, sex outside marriage will carry a jail term of up to uh, a year under the new laws, which take effect in three years. Oh, okay, there you go. It takes effect in three years. Critics see the laws, uh, but they already have really bad laws uh, where you can get caning or um, whipping or whatever they call it. Uh, Critics see the laws as a disaster for human rights and a potential blow to tourism and investment. The new laws apply equally to locals and to foreigners living in Indonesia or visiting holiday destinations such as Bali. Under the laws, unmarried couples caught having sex can be jailed for up to a year. They are also uh, banned from living together an act for which people could be jailed for up to six months. Adultery will also be an offense for which people can be jailed. See what happens when you allow religion to take over, Republicans? Suddenly, suddenly all these Republicans that have affairs would be thrown in jail. Wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, What's really funny is a couple of guys or girls living together wouldn't be in trouble because nothing could possibly be happening there, right? (laughs) But a man and woman living together or visiting in the same hotel room, um, 
trouble. I wonder what would happen if five people shared a hotel room of different genders. That would be interesting. But of course, it is illegal to be gay there, so don't flaunt it. Uh, <clears throat> the new legislation contains scores of new clauses criminalizing immorality and blasphemy and restricting political and religious expression. Uh, maybe you want to complain about the laws. Not so fast. There are now also six blasphemy laws in the code, including apostasy, which is renouncing a religion. Uh, they, they allow several religions, but only them. They don't allow atheism. I wouldn't be allowed there. Uh, for the first time since its independence, Indonesia will make it illegal to persuade someone to be a non-believer. Like me. Uh, new defamation articles also make it illegal for people to insult the president or criticize state ideolo ideology. Sounds like he's, take, he's, he's getting, uh, you know, uh, the country is getting ideas from what? Belarus or maybe Hungary? <laughs> wow. Uh, for those of you who don't have good digestive bacteria in your system, help is on the way. And I've been, I've been watching this story for quite some time now, and I've been waiting for this to happen. This is really interesting. And I might even go do it. Uh, we have learned in the past 10 years or so that some obesity can be blamed on gut and fecal bacteria. A first-of-its-kind product containing human fecal matter has been approved by the FDA for the treatment of potentially life-threatening bacterial imbalances in the gut. Uh, in recent years, fecal transplant therapy has emerged as one of the most effective ways to treat all sorts of issues and get a patient's gut micro, uh, micro, microbiome back in balance. Maybe you, can, you can't digest certain foods. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're overweight and cannot lose weight. Maybe you are too thin and can't get enough nourishment. All, maybe you're too thin because you're not hungry enough. Bacteria is what tells you to be hungry. All these problems could be fixed with fecal transplant therapy. Disgusting, right? It really, I know, it sounds gross, doesn't it? But, I mean, just think. Just think about the future. If you wanted the body of Adonis, if you wanted the body of Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody that didn't do it through, uh, 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 uh you know, getting injections, <laughs> if you wanted that body, you could have that body if you got the right fecal implant, uh, transplant rather, uh, because your body would begin adjusting the way it digests food. Wouldn't that be interesting? <sighs> Finally, Kirstie Alley died yesterday. She was 71, only 71, very young, or relatively young. That's about the average age of somebody dying. Well, of a male dying. I think uh, a female dying is higher. Uh, in case you need to know who she was, you probably know Kirstie Alley, the crazy Scientologist. Uh, uh, she, you know what? I go to a Gelson's in Hollywood over on Franklin Avenue. If you know that Gelson's, sometimes I, I, I go there. 
Rarely, not very often. Um, She once went into the Gelson's and asked them to close the store so she could shop there. They basically laughed at her. (laughs) They said, okay, yeah, we can do it. $10,000 an hour. (laughs) Anyway, Kirstie Alley died yesterday. She was 71. In case you need to know who she was, look uh, look who's talking movies. She starred in them with uh, uh, John Travolta. Um, the Cheers TV show. Uh, she starred in that in the um, not in the first three seasons. She took the place of uh, what's her name, the other the other girl that worked there. And she was in a Star Trek movie, The Wrath of Khan. That was where she in 1982 she got her uh, her start on the big screen with that one. Anyway, Kirstie Alley dead at 71. Uh, That's it. Thanks for listening. Tuesday, December 6, 2022. I really appreciate you. Tuesday, December 6, 2022. Uh, Bring someone with you if you can tomorrow or today. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me questions, insights, or fights at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. And remember, always remember, Government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.